Welcome to the podcast, Selling Real Estate with Kelly Cook, where we will discuss the latest and most relevant business strategies to help you do one thing extremely well, sell more homes. We'll discuss everything from business planning to lead generation and conversion to past client customer service and everything in between. Join us for authentic conversations and nuts and bolts takeaways you can implement into your business today. And now, Selling Real Estate with Kelly Cook. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. It is another episode of Selling Real Estate with Kelly Cook. Kelly, how are you doing today? We got some big news to drop today, big right? breaking news. Yes. Breaking news. We're dropping right today. No we, doubt about it. We've kind of been talking about this, which I'm sure you're, you all kind of know what's going on as well, have heard about this. We've talked about it. We told you we'd bring you updates, and we have the biggest update, um, the NAR lawsuit wrapped up yesterday two days ago pretty recently um uh time this episode comes out it's probably about a week or so has passed but um we need to talk about the implications of of the uh ending of that that lawsuit and that trial um and kind of what that means for not only you as an agent but the industry as a whole and what that means for buyers um in in the future upcoming here we'll kind of see how this shakes out but kelly let's get into it Wow, where do we start here, Elizabeth? This is uh, this is important stuff, guys. If you are following this podcast, if you are a real estate uh, professional of of some sort at all, um, this is something you really need to pay attention to, especially as a realtor, right? Because we all know that there not everyone that has a real estate license is a realtor. You are held to a higher standard. That ethics. trademark, yeah, yes, the <laughs> trademark, and that comes from the NAR, the National Association of Realtors. So. Um, this is big breaking news. Uh, we talked about this lawsuit uh, many weeks ago uh, on this podcast and that we keep you informed. And so it just came down yesterday. The verdict came down uh, from a jury of nine people. They deliberated for about two hours and 20 minutes. That's it. And that's, that's never a good sign short, for the defense. Yeah, that's yeah. a short deliberation. That's right. So they already had their minds kind of made up, which is kind of what I've been saying all along. I've been saying that I didn't think that NAR um, the defendants, um, even really had a chance. So, um, I guess I, I ended up being right this, this time uh, on this situation. So what does it all mean? So let's back up and talk about the back uh, drop here. What's going on just as a quick recap. So right now you have a, 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 a law firm that has been retained and they are representing several plaintiffs that were home sellers in the state of Missouri. This is, this is Seitzer versus, uh, slash Burnett versus the NAR as a defendant, National Association of Realtors has been named Keller Williams and Berkshire Hathaway, two of the largest brokerages, real estate brokerages in the country. Now, initially, there were two other large brokerages named in this lawsuit as well. And the other one is Anywhere Brands, which is uh, rebranded from Rheology, which is Sotheby's, Century 21, Cobalt Banker, um, you name it, some of those. I think Better Homes Garden might be in there too. There was a bunch of big real estate agents uh, or real estate brokerages in that one as well. Um, however, several weeks ago, we talked about this as well, Remax and Anywhere Brands, um, they actually tried to settle. They've offered a settlement um, to the plaintiffs to try to get out of the lawsuit altogether. Um, at this point, that pretty much went through. I think the judge still has to approve it. I'm not sure that he has done that yet, but it's it was settled, so to speak. Um, and Anywhere Brand settled for $89.5 million and Remax settled for about $53 million or so. So that is a lot of money. And apparently, I, if they're offering that settlement, those companies, those you know, Anywhere Brands and uh, Remax have the money, I'm assuming, that if they yeah, are offering a settlement, right? Mm -hmm. So that's big time money. 
Um, but it's nothing compared to what was just brought down in the Billions. verdict. Uh, with with the verdict going in the awarded uh, in the in the side of the plaintiffs, right? Um, holy cow! One point seven eight billion dollars is the is the uh, the dictated amount that is uh, awarded as damages in the verdict to the plaintiffs. The defendants still remaining are National Association of Realtors, Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, and Keller Williams Realty. So now, what happens? So let's talk about this. The jury. Um, nine people, seven of which have never owned a home. That's crazy. Two of them have. Um, and so what do you think is going to happen when you get nine people, which by the way, in, in a civil case like this, they, they, they do say that you can have as little as six jurors up to 12 and it's still all, you know, meets all the guidelines, et cetera. Uh, but nine people, what do you think is going to happen? Even if they all were homeowners, what do you think is going to happen? Because if they're not in the real estate industry, which they're not, um, specifically as as part of the juror selection, do you think they probably have felt maybe at some point in the past the they paid too much for whatever it was that their agent did? I, I'm going to say yes because the majority of people when surveyed do say that, and that is a shame. That is that is not good for our industry, and I think the NAR has something to do with that, primarily from the standpoint of a lack of a mentorship program, um, a lack of the lack of a stringent um, and 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 long amount of hours of of, of education to get that license, it's pretty easy to do so. And so I think if you had those things in place, the, the industry in general would be a more professional perceived industry. And so anyways, that's another conversation for another day. However, that is what was, was, uh, was handed out in the verdict yesterday in the lawsuit. Now, what happens next? Well, before we get to that, I just want to say one more thing. It appears to me that in looking and reading other articles about this, that the NAR just did not do a very good job of actually explaining to the average everyday person how exactly commissions and brokerages within those commissions work. It appeared that in the closing arguments, the, the lead counsel for NAR in, in, in some way kind of talked down to him a little bit, probably not meaning to do so, but it came off that way. And and then when um, Keller Williams was was uh, Gary Keller was cross examined and or not cross examined but but uh, um, uh, disposed uh, deposed excuse me on the uh, witness stand you know it, it just it wasn't he talked about Zillow and how commission conspiracy and compression really is is between Zillow and the real estate industry and companies like that trying to come in to compress the commissions down on agents etc nothing to do with the brokerages but yet that wasn't really articulated that well and explained to the layman how it works we're assuming they already know kind of the generalities of how it works and i bet you some of the people do not and yet that wasn't taken down to a really really elementary level for someone who, as a juror who's never in the industry every every day or even every year they might sell a house if they even own one which most in it every seven years every 10 years they don't know the intricacies of this so that was i think a big, big mishap now it's already going to appeals court, okay, and uh, NAR is going to appeal it because if they don't, they're done. I mean, they're just done. Um, you have to appeal it, and hopefully things could maybe change uh, at that time. Right now, the judge gets to um, he gets to and by by the time this airs, maybe this is already out, but the judge has to review everything and has to make his determination on things. Now, I don't believe in my in my understanding of things that he can overturn obviously a verdict by uh, a jury of the peers. Um, however he can make a ruling on a federal injunction in which this would affect every realtor, every company, et cetera, broker across the entire country. Right now, it's just in federal court in the state of Missouri. Mm -hmm. um, but 
But if this injunction is approved and rubber stamped by the judge uh, presiding in, in this case, then obviously it affects everyone immediately across the entire country un until it appeals. And even if he didn't do that, um, just I'm not really sure how courts work that I watch a lot of true crime, as I may have said before. So I know how criminal court <laughs> cases work. But um, in this case, since it was, um, you know, in Missouri, it was limited to Missouri. If they don't pass something where that affects the entire country, does that just leave the door open then for people in other states to bring essentially the same lawsuit? Is that kind of how, like, from your understanding, is that kind of how that would work? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, they, they've said that if the plaintiffs win this case, which they just did, um, there will be multiple copycat cases now yeah. filed immediately. The okay. first of which was filed by the same law firm that just represented the plaintiffs. They've already filed another lawsuit on behalf of several other new plaintiffs, home sellers. And now they're naming other brokerages as well. Howard Hanna, EXP, and other brokerages that are maybe not as big as the initial ones, but across the country. So now they, they're going after everybody, everybody because now precedent has been kind of set. And right. so they're trying to now just do a big time money grab for all this. And what's really, what's really dis disheartening and what's really deceiving, I should say, from the side of the legal counsel, in my opinion, on the behalf of the plaintiffs is, is that he talked about now with this, that free market and the internet will now prevail. Internet meaning Zillow. Zillow is the big winner on this. The, the 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 companies that aggregate data and try to go direct to consumer, they're the big they're the big winner because now people will think they have to go even more and more to them and look to them for some sort of advice, representation, whatever it may be. And we all know that Zillow now is a brokerage. So this whole thing is just really, really messed up. It's a consumer protection lawsuit that yet will do very little to protect the actual consumer. I mean, go figure, $1.7 billion, these brokerages don't even have that kind of money. The NAR does not have that kind of money. So I'm assuming as part of the appeals process, et cetera, et cetera, down the road, there's going to be some sort of settlement that's going to occur at some point. Otherwise, these brokerages just, just go, they disappear. They file bankruptcy of some, of some type. And then, honestly, they're not going to go away, though, I don't think. If they disappear, as the name they currently are, Keller Williams, you know, just being gone, let's say, or Berkshire, they will just reappear under a different name and different entity it's because they'll file bankruptcy. Type of, yeah. yeah. They'll file bankruptcy and they'll just say, I can't pay it. And they'll just, you know, figure that out through bankruptcy court and then they'll reinvent themselves. Um, Cause I'm sure these the owners of these companies aren't dumb and they have asset protection and layers of protection. So, and so what good will that do? I, I don't know. I don't know what that good that will do. NAR potentially has the ability to settle this lawsuit in, in a big way um, because they have all the members of, of realtors across the country. So if they choose to stay within the NAR's, membership uh, community, they could literally just assess fines to all the realtors, you know, 500 bucks each, everybody pays that. Or I don't know what it would have to be, 2000 bucks each. I don't know, but it's going to be some denomination of money when you do the math on it. Now, there are some brokerages that have already pulled out of NAR because of this. Well, we're paying you dues. You're supposed to be working for us and you can't defend us in a lawsuit. What good do you have now at this point? Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if the NAR either way ends up potentially dissolving and going away after all this. Um, and then now the brokerages, now the realtor thing could still be out there, but is it truly a realtor, you know, uh, membership um, that's held this ethical? Really a, Where's yeah. the governing body? 
right? Mm-hmm. It's now just a, is a brokerage now assume that responsibility for all other brokerages? I, I don't know. This thing is, is very interesting. I also read um, an article from the New York, I believe it was a New York Board of Brokers Association, Real Estate Brokers Association, something like that in the state of New York, that they're now um, trying to pass a memorandum, referendum, or whatever it, it may, may be called, in which the sellers cannot, they won't allow sellers to pay a broker, a buyer broker, any fee. Like even if they want to, they can't. They can only pay them outside of the close of escrow. So now you're going to have a bunch of sellers maybe potentially write checks to people directly. Like what? Yeah. Like what in the world? So this is this is interesting. And the sad thing, you know, we talk about pros and cons, Elizabeth. The sad thing is, the consumer protection lawsuit is just not that. And if there's one group of people that will be hurt and damaged the most by this, they're going to be the people that don't have the means for a lot of funds sitting around where every dollar counts to buy a house and qualify for a mortgage. They may not have the money to to purchase or buy representation. And so there's there's going to go directly with the, the listing agent and do whatever the listing agent says to do because they need or want that house. So think about the amount of money lost there. They can't afford to come out of pocket maybe just to, to write a check for uh, some denomination of money, $10,000 or something, whatever, right, for representation. But yet they'll end up paying $25,000 more for the house where they had representation, they, no, they probably could have yeah, got it less. No counsel. And if they're working directly with the listing agent, I mean, the who's, listing who's, agent is representing the seller. They want to get the most right. money. It's There's a that's right. very big and conflict if, of interest. Huge. And then if you're in a state with dual agency um, that allows that and everyone signs off on it, okay, but now the agent becomes a facilitator, not an advisor anymore. And so now the, now the seller loses their uh, right to have an advisor in their corner, but they would do that because they would pay less of a fee potentially. And you know how people are about money. Well, I just, that's fine. It's cheaper, I'll just do it. Well, that's not in your best interest in most cases. If you have a good realtor, if you have a good advisor, it's not in your best interest. And um, so now I think agents really need to start thinking. If they haven't already, we've already started doing this about three months ago on my team here in Arizona. But where agents really need to start thinking about the training of your value proposition and how you're going to deliver it in not just a buyer's presentation, but a listing presentation as well. Logistical things. Okay, so now someone says, hey, I'll pay you um, 3% as my listing agent. I want to hire you, Kelly, but I'm not paying the buyer broker anything. You know why? Because I don't have to. Well, what needs to be explained to them is that for all this time, decades and decades, they could have got away with paying the buyer broker $1. It just had to be some denomination of money, $1. Now, how come, cho- how come no one chose to do that? Because they understand it's not in their best interest because I think it was 97% of all transactions last year were agent assisted. And I think it was 89% of them all involved two agents, something like that. It was pretty high. So if those numbers are correct, I'll double check those percentages, but if those are correct, then you just eliminated by not paying anything or just $1 to the buyer broker, you eliminated 89% potentially of your buyer pool. Now you tell me, does that hurt or does that help the marketability to sell your house for top dollar? It doesn't help it. Yeah. So this this is kind of crazy. And to see, like I said, we talked about there's two parties that'll be hurt the most by this. It's going to be the people who don't have very much funds liquid to pay for maybe representation out of their pocket and first-time home buyers in general, because typically the first-time home buyer doesn't have a whole lot of money either to pay for anything out of their pocket. They're trying to just get in the and game. Especially right now. Like right now, there we're already seeing such limitations for first-time home buyers getting into the housing. I mean, over the past couple of years that the price of homes has skyrocketed, um, you know, the 
interest rates have gone way up. It's already a lot of people who should be entering the market as a first-time home buyer, people in their 20s, you know, they, they we're already seeing how much more of a challenge that has become. And now with this, it's just another thing on top of it where it's a challenge to afford the representation. And if you don't, you're still going to likely end up paying more than than you would have. So it's it's right. going to be really interesting to see you know, what that does to not just the real estate market, but I mean, kind of the economy as a whole over the next few years. Yep. Yep. It's right. I mean, the, the rules of the game have just changed. And so, you know, I talked to my agents about um, who moved my cheese, that book. It's a great book about, okay. um, about when the rules of the game change, what are you going to do to adapt? And I will give you all the the secrets and, 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 and life lessons of that book. Cause it's a great book. Um, but you have to adapt. Otherwise, you you go away. Um, this happened to me in my business back when the Great Recession occurred. I was in uh, real estate in 2005, and then everything just fell out, especially in Phoenix. The bottom fell out of the market. The balloon popped. It, the music stopped. It was over. And in that situation, everything went to foreclosures and short sales. Well, the people who are used to doing traditional real estate as we know it, they if they weren't willing to adapt, because in Phoenix, for example, 98% of our listings at any given point in the market for a several-year period stretch were distressed sales, short sales, foreclosures. And if you're willing to change the way you do business and actually work those deals, you didn't have any deals. There were no more deals to be had. So you adapted and flourished or you did, chose not to stuck in the past and go away and disappear, get out of the business. So we heard on a, on a, on a podcast today that I was on with a company that aggregates a bunch of data in the real estate space that already 38% of all licensees in the real estate space have not renewed their license for in 2023. That's a big number. That's yeah. a big number. So that's gonna, there's gonna be more of that, I think, because if you if this continues on and now sellers begin to offer less and less commission or maybe, maybe no commission and people on the buyer side don't know how to articulate and provide a value proposition to their own clients, they're gonna be out of business, period, the end. So- the part-timers, the people who really weren't into it, maybe with the best intentions to begin with, that could be a pro. Maybe they decide to go elsewhere and do something else professionally because they weren't really ever in this anyways. They just did this other profession and had the license to help Aunt Betty, you know, when she won the buy the house right. that one time, you know, mm -hmm. and that's not really good for the profession anyway. So that's a pro potentially. But we talked about the cons. The first time home buyers will be hurt dramatically. The people that don't have much many funds liquid to pay for representation will be hurt um, dramatically. There is a workaround around this, which it, there'll be for anything. You know, when the rules of the game change, you always got to find the ways to do business um, effectively. One way could be to have the uh, the buyer finance if they can't come out of pocket to write a check, finance the cost of the representation, finance the fee to their buyer broker. They could do that through seller concessions where the seller on their property um, agrees to pay for certain things um, that are that are costs to the buyer when it comes to closing on the house. Yeah. And so if the property is a certain price that the seller is asking, maybe the buyer has to elevate that price a little bit to allow that fee to be financed into the 30-year mortgage, you know, by increasing it by that $10,000 mark. So there's ways you can do that, but either way, you know, I heard this this um, this quote. Um, I thought that's fantastic. Disclosure is disarming. Disclosure is disarming. That came from our president at Real. He's awesome. Uh, Sharon is a fantastic guy, and he's right. So either way, you need to be out in front of this. 
you need to talk about it with your clients and disarm them with the disclosure of what's really going on. And by the way, on the buyer side, especially, how do you get paid? You need to have the conversation because if you're providing a professional service, people should not have a problem paying you some sort of professional fee. But for so long, that wasn't the way it went. And we had so many people in the industry that really weren't in it for the right reasons and maybe weren't providing that professional service with professional value. So it just kind of slid by the wayside. But now in light of this, it's going to force people to really think about and articulate how they're going to go about doing that when it comes to helping someone buy a house. Because at the end of the day, you're still going to have 4.1 to 4.3 million homes, most likely this year, sell, transact. So either way, those transactions are going to happen. And kind of just to, to end this, what? how do you think this affects people who have built agents who have built their business around buyer leads, like internet buyer leads, like Zillow leads have partnered with Zillow to, you know, the people that have really um, flourished in getting buyer leads. And that's what their agents work. And that's, you know, these teams where their agents are working buyer leads. Um, do you think that that's, you need to make a change to going more toward listings? Do you like how, what, what happens to those teams where that is their sole focus? Of course, we've talked about adding value and making sure that you you're bringing more value as a buyer's agent, as any agent, as you've kind of talked about, because the sell side that it will affect that side as well. But what's kind of the next move here for those people in your opinion? Yeah, I think number one, there's a big opportunity, big opportunity on both sides, honestly, the listing side, and the buyer side. Um, I, I think there's a big opportunity, but m unfortunately, because most people won't look at it that way, they will end up struggling and potentially have to go elsewhere into a different profession to make ends meet, to provide their income for their themselves, their family, et cetera. So I think, first of all, number one, um, you know, I've said this for years, um, not, I didn't get on top of a mountain and, and, and yell from a blowhorn, but I said that, that Zillow is not in the best interest of the real estate community. Yeah. For real estate professionals, they're they're, they're, they're kind not. of working against against them in some. And it's capacities. been it's been chess, not checkers, for years. Little time, they're conditioning us. Just you know, the people who are just on it, right? To rely on take, yeah. they take a little more, rely on me. Take a little more, still rely on me. Take a little more, right? And now it's to the point where, you know, they want the whole process to be through them. They're brokers now. They have their own lending company, um, and their own CRM. And just all kinds of stuff that they're trying to get people to just be all in on. Um, and if they can go direct to consumer, then that makes a realtor who doesn't provide a professional value that much more insignificant. Um, they bought Showing Time. They're in talks now to buy another huge CRM called Follow Up Boss now. Oh, they're wow. trying to get in their hands and everything and buy everything, the whole experience of, of the consumer. So, you know, if people don't actually step up and start providing a professional value, then and, and consumers believe that it's all the same whether I'm online, a human, doesn't matter, um, then yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be trouble. But there will always be, I really believe there, there will always be a market for decades to come. Even with AI technology, it doesn't matter uh, for the human representation in a real estate transaction because surveys have said for years, everyone's come in to try to disrupt, billions of dollars come into the real estate industry to disrupt this industry. But yet the real estate agent today, I don't believe is, is, is more valuable than any other point of time in history. And so I think that's that's not going to change um, to an extent. So I think there's a big opportunity if you adapt and, sh and sh provide value and show people that, you they'll be happy to pay a fee. You're happy to pay a good attorney 
when he does a good job for you. You're happy to pay a good financial advisor when he or she does a good job for you. So why would that be any different on a real estate transaction if you actually provide value? So um, I think that people really need to wake up and understand that some of these uh, internet platforms, because they they know deep down inside there has to be a human element to this. They they uh, they if they can just still get all the eyeballs on their platform and make the realtor less less insignificant, they can still control the the process and the transaction. So, for example, they bought Showing Time. Showing Time is a big um, software company that actually are, that, uh, facilitates all the showings of properties between agents and and buyers, right? And 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 agents and buyers agents and so on and so forth. So. Now they they are actually um, using that software to further eliminate the need for a buyer's agent. So open that to they, consumers. Oh yeah. So now they, they now the consumer goes on their their website Zillow. They say, oh, "I want to see this house. It's cool. The pictures are nice." Boom! It says, "When do you want to see it? Monday. Here are the times available. Tuesday. Here are times available." And you pick one. Uh, two o'clock. They then book the appointment. It's done, and, and so, they just yeah. tell the agent that signed up with Zillow, show up at two o'clock. Oh, and by the way, if you don't then your scorecard gets docked. Mm -hmm. So you need to now move everything you have to try to show up at that house for somebody you don't know if they're, you don't know if they if they have a FICO score of 500, if they make $3 a year in income, if they don't even have a job, you don't know anything, but you got to show up. Mm -hmm. No control. It, no it's, agent has no control in that. Yeah, you tell me if that's in the best interest of the the consumer and the and the average consumer who is, genuinely looking to to buy a house and they think they can buy it they're they're trying to save some money they have money saved up whatever it is that's not in the best interest but yet this is what the internet according to the council of the plaintiff and the free market is all about and it, that's in the best interest of people looking to sell and buy homes it, it's just completely contradictory to what we know common sense to be mm -hmm. sometimes you have to with capitalism you want people to be able to, and, and you know, the open market, you want people to make their own decisions. But unfortunately, a large percentage of people are not capable of making, like they're, they're working against themselves by making, because they're, they don't, they don't have the training. They're not informed. They're not experts. And so well, like, I, 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 and I, mean, I, would, I would submit to you that the capitalism was what we had, that if you, if you now go this true. route, now Zillow, places like that are, are, are becoming Monopolies. basically a monopoly. Yeah. And they're going to tell you this is how it is, and you have no choice, mm -hmm. you know. And then you go. Then I, I, I told my team, you go one step further on this, right? Amazon's market cap compared to Zillow's is it trumps Zillow's by I don't know I mean, a gargantuan percentage. Amazon could buy Zillow tomorrow and not even basically sneeze. Yeah. So, so what's stopping Amazon now from jumping in this game and controlling all that? Mm -hmm. I mean, how is that not a monopoly? But yet. The powers that be who are in control of our country, you know, for whatever reason, that's not a thing right now. And and I'm not trying to be Mr. Conspiracy Theory guy, but I'm just saying, like, we had the, the we had a capitalistic yeah. um I deal guess in real yeah, estate. not capitalist, but like letting you know? people just like like, oh, it's you can make whatever decisions you want, which of course that's the way, but like leaving it up to where they have to make the decisions basically, like by themselves. That's not right. They're I mean, not those those same people that were named plaintiffs in this case. They could have sold their house for sell by owner. There's for sell by owners in every single marketplace across the country right now online on some website. They, yeah. but they chose not to. Mm -hmm. I mean, so now, it, it, where in the world, right? What, this is crazy, right? That's what's happening. Uh, but nonetheless, it happened, and the ruling came down, and so here we are. So now it's uh, we'll see how it happens in uh, appellate court, but that could take a, a year or two. Right. I mean, Just waiting so, game kind of at this point to game. see how it. So, 
how it so ends in the meantime, up. in the meantime, you got to adapt, and and the rules of the game change. Now you got to got to you got to fall within those and, rules. And yep. yep. Yeah, that's right, and make the most of it because there is an opportunity. No matter what the rules go, this way or that way, left to right, up down, there's always opportunity if you're willing to adapt and then really immerse yourself within it. Get the get it surrounded by the right people with the right mindset, the right coaching, and you'll be just fine, just fine. Absolutely. Well, on that note, we will, you know, as more things develop, we will bring you the news um, here on this podcast as we go on and talk about some other things. I think we've got a few um, cool things that we were talking about being topics for the podcast, but of course we had to come and bring in this news. So breaking news, breaking news. We gotta, (laughs) we gotta talk about it. Um, Next week, we'll have another good episode for you um, on how, you know, We'll, we'll continue to try to help provide some of that training so that you can adapt. You can make your business strong. You can, um, you know, still be successful no matter what that ruling is, right? So stay tuned here. And if you would like to talk to Kelly about any of this, um, I'm sure that he, uh, you know, is, is all down to talk about all of the possibilities and everything else real estate related or investing related or property management related, um, all the things right now having to do with real estate. Kelly, where can they reach you? Hey, they can reach me all anytime. DM me on Instagram at Kelly Cook Homes or 480-227-2028. Shoot me a text. All right. And lastly, as I always have to tell you, if you are looking to build your real estate team, please go to buildyourrealestateteam.com. We made it very, very simple for you. You cannot forget that uh, domain name, buildyourrealestateteam.com, and go download um, kind of the step-by-step guide on how to do that. Kelly has written all of that out for you so that you don't make the same mistakes that he made when he was building his team. Um, So go to that, buildyourrealestateteam.com. And other than that, we will see you all next week with a new episode. Bye, Kelly. See you guys. Welcome to the podcast, Selling Real Estate with Kelly Cook, where we will discuss the latest and most relevant business strategies to help you do one thing extremely well, sell more homes. We'll discuss everything from business planning to lead generation and conversion to past client customer service and everything in between. Join us for authentic conversations and nuts and bolts takeaways you can implement into your business today. And now, Selling Real Estate with Kelly Cook.